Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. Here we are again. Welcome to another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander, along with Bunker de France. I'm all in my gun right now. <laughs> and in Los Angeles, our good friend Todd Roberts. Howdy, sir. Hello there. And we have got a good show for you today, but first we've got to do a couple of uh, PSAs here, clean uh, some housing not housing, but stuff house cleaning. Of kind of, this is more of local interest here in Tucson. Tomorrow, out at the Loft Theater, the Empire Ranch Foundation is doing a fundraiser. They'll be showing gunfight at the OK Corral with Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas. The uh, whole thing gets going at 2 o'clock. That's when the doors are open. There'll be a panel presentation at 2.30. I'll be part of the panel. Gene Freeze has written several books about... The movies, uh, Stuntman, Bob Mitchum, great, great, great books are recommended. Uh, Mark Sankey from Moscow, our movie town out here east of us. And then the show will start at 3 o'clock. If you still can get your tickets in advance at theloftcinema.org, and that's $25. If you get it at the day of the showing, it'll be 30 So save yourself 5 bucks and, and give them a buzz. And the funds, again, will be uh, going to the Empire preservation of the Empire Ranch, uh, which is a, down south of here. It's a wonderful project. It's keeping our Western his- history alive. They have stuff going on at various times throughout the year. Uh, family, family entertainment. We do National Day of the Cowboy, Cowboy Christmas. We do a, a Cowboy Festival in November. And it's just a great way to get out, get your cowboy going, and... Uh, Support the ranch. Everybody needs a cowboy going. They do. All right. <clears throat> and our, <clears throat> pardon me, well, one of our uh, our partners, <clears throat> you know, I don't know what got down there, but anyway, one of our, your throat. Uh, it must be, one of our partners <clears throat> is the Mescal movie set, and uh, Mark Sankey tells us about a concert that uh, they're sponsoring out that way. Dave Stamey. Uh, oh, yeah. he's good. Yeah, he's a, he's a cowboy. He's a mule packer, dude wrangler. Now he's a popular Western artist. New Mexico rancher. There you go. So uh, that that's going to be coming here October the 2nd of this year. Uh, and they've had a venue move because the uh, Mezcal movie set will be closed. That's where they were going to have it. Um, because it's going to be closed due to filming, oh, they moved it over to the old auditorium at St. David High School, which is in St. David, uh, just uh, oh, just a bit southwest of uh, Benson, uh, off of Interstate 10, uh, east of Tucson. Anyway, the beautiful two o'clock, drive. It is. It's a beautiful area. Yeah, uh, the concert is uh, from 3:30 to 5. Uh, it's the Dave Stamey concert. If you'd like some more information, call 520-255. Six 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 two five two zero two five five sixty six sixty two. Route sixty six sixty two. There you go. All right, now let's now. bring let's bring on our guest. We got us a doozy for you today, a folks. May I tell you what this is? Uh, th- th- this is cool. This we've, is cool. We've got the founder of Cowboy Mounted Shooting, and the ca- and the founder of a Single Action Shooting Society. 
on the on the radio and with the us. founder of several hot rod uh, well tracks. i know by yeah founder of several hot rod tracks he was a drag racer in both nhra and ahra back in the 60s but he's more importantly he's a cowboy jim rogers welcome to voices of the west well it's good to hear from you guys it's wonderful to have a club like this the most important thing in my life is keeping our western heritage alive Amen. when i grew up it was the most important thing think of all the western television shows you saw in the western movies at yeah. movie theaters yeah and now well, we don't get any of that think of the values that we we learn just being dumb old country kids if that's what they think we are but, you know, we learn to respect our elders. We learn hard work, responsibility, you know. And, you know, we didn't get an allowance, but we had all kinds of chores. Yeah. Your allowance was you got to live at the ranch. <laughs> Mom will feed you. Mom will feed you. That's your allowance. <laughs> well, tell dad, us about your early dad days. Would, dad didn't take a switch to you. <laughs> Jim, tell us about your early days, How you know, growing up on the ranch well, and what you learned and what it taught you. Well, I just, I'm, I'll be 80 years old my next birthday, yep. and that's in January of 2022, and, but I grew up literally in the cowboy world. I, my, my great-grandfather was, worked for Charles Goodnight on the Loving Goodnight Ranch, and he was my big hero. He was born in 1857 and didn't die until 19... Uh, 52. That was William Bruce, right? Right. Well, tell us a lot about I wanted. That's one of the things I had written down that I wanted you to... Here's some stories. I want to know his, his <clears throat> backstory, you know, with the Chisholm Trail. And, wow. wow. Yeah, well, he went up the Loving Goodnight Trail and and stuff. I don't know too much. You know, it's <laughs> he died over a half a century ago, you know. And yeah. It was the inspiration of my heart. He was my hero, and of course, every, other families and members had ranches and, and farms, you know, and I, I I really liked it. One of the interesting things about it is, I was like, my dad's side of the family, been here in Arizona since 1922, I think. Wow. And the, they, they came out here in, uh, oh, in a Model T, <laughs> Ford and one that my my grandmother was uh, had uh, some problems breathing. She, I don't some little lung. She seems to be in a dry climate. They started started out from Ohio and went due west, hit the coast, followed the coast down, and came to Arizona. And she felt so good in Arizona. That's where it had. But they were all real estate developers, contractors and what, and then that's where I used to have to work a lot, but my mother's side of the family, they were in the ranching business. And, you know, and our ranches, they've owned ranches, my family's owned ranches in Oklahoma and, and Texas, and of course we had, like I said earlier, in Kansas, mm -hmm. uh, New Mexico and Arizona, and of course our definition of some ranch like the one in Arizona we had I, I hardly call it a ranch but it only had like 82 acres it's still a ranch that we're in a, we were in a horse business <laughs> that's you know, right you're still a ranch with mounted shooting <laughs> yeah alright now you uh, you left the cowboy life for a bit and uh, developed a passion for drag racing those infernal 
gas-busting, gas-guzzling machines, right? Screaming well, tires. Was, yeah, <laughs> when I was a young kid, I started very interesting and had my first horses when I was in, you know, I can't remember how young I was, tell you the bit, but go go all the way through grade school and stuff, and I, I started team roping and stuff like that when I was a young teenager, and as I went to high school, I'd do it, but as I got to be about in uh, my junior year, I had the money to buy a, a car. My dad made me work every, he's a real estate developer and a contractor, and I had to work two or three days a week, and he paid me good salaries, and uh, I mean, I'm after school, like two hours, maybe four hours on sun, on Saturday, and so I had enough money when I was a junior in high school into my junior year to buy a brand new Chevrolet Impala with three two-barrel carburetors, a four-speed, and a sun-top cam, nice. and I decided to like drag racing, and so I sold all my horses and all my equipment, and I could do it, and I started drag racing, and I succeeded in that very well. Yeah, you uh, you raced NHRA and AHRA, and uh, didn't you help develop Beeline Dragway near Phoenix? No, I was the developer. Oh, you were the developer. Yeah, okay. I was going to Arizona State uh-huh. University, and my dad and Bob Maytag, uh, my dad was a, a big general contractor, like Camelback Mountain, the most famous real estate mm-hmm. in the Scottsdale, Phoenix area. And, of course, Bob Maytag, he built washing machines and refrigerators <laughs> and stuff like right, that. And right. so uh, they decided to build the Phoenix Zoo. And instead of living in the dormitory, I lived out the zoo in a little farmhouse at nighttime instead of having a dormitory. And I lived at a kitchen and a bedroom. And a little kitchen and living room was all one area. And while I was there, I wrote a business plan for Beeline Dragway. And I asked my dad if I could approach uh, a couple of his investors, some of his investors, about building a drag strip. And they really went for it. So we leased the land from the Pima Maricopa Indian community and built it out there. And it and one of the reasons we did build it was I was I had already won the HRA Winter Nationals and the and the um, A I mean NHRA Winter National Pomona and the HRA World Championships in Green Valley Texas and I want I was talked got to know Jim Tice president of AHRA and he said if you'd build a fabulous drag ship there's a good chance we'll give you the Winter Nationals so I did it and we did it and. So that's when I ended my college education after my second year because we opened up the D-Line Dragway on October 4th of 1963. What was your time in the quarter mile? Oh, I don't know. We were running super stock in the very beginning of what they call funny cars. And we were going 128, 130 miles an hour. I was not into hot cars. I like stock cars. Mm -hmm. And that's what's wrong with the drag racing industry today. It's our, Our manufacturers are more interested in building cars with good mileage than they are with four speeds and and a lot of horsepower. Did you ever race? Huge carburetors. So, yeah, so you only raced stock. You didn't do rails or anything like that. No, I didn't. I I was in charge of 
they're running, and I hire people like Don Garlitz. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, there's a lot of similarity in a way between, like, quarter horse, match racing, like we had up in Rio Dosa, and drag racing. Uh Uh-huh. A lot of similarity. Mm -hmm. Well, I I, know one of the things that got me into... And the drag racing is girls like fancy cars back in those days more than they did horses, and so I, it worked out. It worked really good, tell me the truth. And then, uh, but as I got married and so on, I, I did. We sold the Beeline Dragway in 1967. And I was built, I, I trained field trial retrievers. It was one of my yeah, hobbies, yeah. too. Yeah. I like to go take retrievers and go to field trials. But I was going to build a big kennel here, and I started building one over in between uh, Scottsdale and, and Tempe, Arizona, on the reservation because we'd done a lot of business with them. And, but I got an offer. Jim Tice offered me a job. If I would move to Kansas City, I'd be general manager and president of the Kansas City Mounted Shooting Association. What am I say? Kansas City Drag Strip. And so we moved over there and we opened Kansas City International Racetrack, which was one of the finest race, racetracks in the country. Had I'm talking about drag strips now. I did yeah. have a sports car track, right. too. Yeah. Is that oval? But, yeah, it would have been oval. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, I was out of my... I, I, I was out of my lifestyle and my we, we went out in about 60 miles west of Kansas City or maybe not quite that far 45 miles out of what the edge of the Flint Hills of Kansas we bought a cattle ranch and moved out there All right. <laughs> but I worked I lived in the running the drag strip and running back and forth from the ranch wow. and then finally I we had to repossess the Beeline Dragway and I moved back to Scottsdale. I didn't move back to Scottsdale, but in the wintertime, we'd run the winter championships. And I had a fellow working for me in Kansas City. I offered him a job as general manager of Beeline Dragway, and he moved out here. And so that went on. And then about 1972 or three, I sold out of the drag racing business for good, and we had the ranch. And I made my living training field trial retrievers, making trying to make people feel trial champions but wow. that is a, that, that's all another story oh, in another itself story. The, so so did, main, so did you meet lily while you were drag racing no i met lily lily and i've been married only 37 oh, years okay okay and i had and uh my the girl i married when i had the ranch and stuff was still a friend of ours uh-huh and uh, she worked for me, and anyway, we got married, and she, we moved to Kansas City, as I said, in, in, in 1967, and I finally moved back permanently back to Arizona home. I just as I, my wife and I didn't weren't didn't work out, and mm-hmm. I I just walked out of the door, and I gave her the whole ranch, everything I owned except a couple of my dogs and all my guns. Mm-hmm. 
and well, you know, my truck. I had a brand new truck and I moved back to Arizona because that was my home and I just love it here. Well, with the and break up told, of your wedding, it's a good chance for us to take a break yeah. to do our next commercial. And then we're going to get into the rest of your life for as much as we possibly yeah. can. Yeah. Uh, I talk. hope I'm not talking to oh, you. No, no, no. no. Doing fantastic. no this, this is fun. Jim Rogers is our guest, founder of Cowboy Mounted Shooting and Single Action Shooting Society. This voice of the West will be back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West where a large number of Westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I, Miss Wilkinson, is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tanker Verde in Tucson, 520-777-1911. Watch Old West silent movies anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. All right, listeners, you like Westerns, right? You're darn to. I mean, you do listen to this program. So you want a chance to tell the rest of the world which Westerns you think are the best? I'm always ready to back up whatever I say. Here's how. Email us your picks for your top five Westerns. Tell us why you think those five were the best cowboy movies. You got any more you want to say on the subject? Each month, we'll pick one entry and offer you the chance to talk about your choices as a guest on our live stream and resulting podcast of the Voices of the West program. Pretty simple, right? We want to hear from you. We have our men scouring the valley. Email your list to bestwesterns, voicesofthewest at gmail.com. I guess that's all we need to hear. We never should have taken that shortcut. Look where it's led us straight into a trap. We should have turned back. We should have turned back. I wanted to. I wanted to. Aye, quiet. There's a way out of every place. This is the Voices of the West. Ah! 
boy, he goes open by, and he is the center of everyone's eye. We're back on Abel Francis, Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts with you. Our guest is Jim Rogers, the founder of Cowboy Mounted Shooting and uh, the founder of Single Action Shooting Society. Sass. Sass. As well as a drag racer, a rancher, and... All-around cowboy. You know, he's a cowboy. That's the most yeah. important... No, no, the most important part yeah. is that his favorite cowboy movie is... The Monty 1970 Walsh? version of Monty Walsh. Which Todd's daddy did. That's right. Yeah. Why do you like Monty Walsh? Tell us, because I know I love that movie. I worked on it, but I love it. Well, it was just a good movie. It was very entertaining, and it made you feel of the Old West. Yeah. Oh, I'd like to correct one thing you've been saying. I, you know, I am the founder of the Cow- of Cowboy Mounted Shooting Association, but I was not the founder of Single Action Shooting Society. Okay. I, w- I was one of the founders. Okay, all right. That's the sport had, yeah, I that's mean, I'm, the sport had already been going, but right. it was didn't have a national association, and I was important in part of that. That's the reason they wanted me in because I had the experience with the drag racing ah. association as well as I was a. A well, good shooter. Duly noted. Sass kind of grow out of the uh, yeah, uh, which, quick draw yeah, which, which came Which came first, Sass or Cowboy Mounted Shooting? Well, Sass. I was I got involved in Sass and and you know in the late eight. 1980s, 87, 88, 89, and so on. And in 1992, I wanted to have, I wanted to do cowboy mounted shooting. And I'll tell you a little bit about how that got started and some yeah. of the people involved. But uh, uh, SAS didn't want anything to do with it. And I made a deal with them to show you how smart I am. A lot of people sold out their <laughs> interest in SAS for a lot of money. I traded it for the right to have the national championship of SAS. And you, we, you sly we dog. Created, <laughs> yeah, we, I created what they call Winter Range, which got to be the largest SAS event the last few years. But in that was 93, wasn't it? 92? 92. Yeah. And, 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 uh, SAS moved over here now and in the trails over here at Ben Avery shooting range is. But anyway, I did that and that's where we held the first uh, cowboy mounted shooting event and people didn't think it was going to work, but we had three contestants. <laughs> Myself yeah. and two that other guys. That was at Scottsdale and, at Festival of the West, wasn't it? Pardon? Was no, that, that, was, uh, that, that was out at Ben Avery shooting range. Oh, okay. Yeah, good. Yeah, Scottsdale Festival of the West, we had some great mounted shooting events there also, but they weren't the national. They were just large regional-type championships. Well, was that the first uh, worst world championship in 94 there at Scottsdale? Yeah, it was out of Ben Avery. Yeah, which is and, north, and of, so, north but, of Phoenix. Uh, well, you know, I was American, noticing... I was noticing that every from 1992 up until 2003, you won just about everything that could be won. Well, I won a lot, not everything. I won the world championship once, and I won like I don't know half a dozen national championships and other national titles. Reserve world. It was wonderful. I I just loved. There are two. There are two things I love a lot in life besides my wife. That's. Old West guns, single action Colt revolvers, especially are what I do. And you know, 
and then lever action Winchester rifles and so on. But uh, one of the happiest things that ever happened to me, and I don't want to sound like a braggart, but I got Colt. The president of Colt Firearms gave my wife and I had them gold inlaid and ivory grip, gave us each a single action Colt. And, you know, I understood that what made me feel good, they had also given a gun to two of our presidents our, oh. of the United States and one of them yeah. are Russia. But I think we're the uh, only one, and I've got them sitting in front of me right now looking at oh, them. Beautiful. They've got ivory grips and <clears throat> our names gold inlaid on the handles with other deals, oh, and it's just a wonderful deal because we, Colt, thought yeah. that we were really good because we had we had started this new sport with horses and that is so, and I can, so I, cool. I'd like to go on and tell you more a little about mounted shooting as yes. we go through it. Oh, I, I, I got one quick question. I, do you let Spangleberg <clears throat> touch your guns there, those golden guns? <laughs> Pardon? Do you let Spangleberg touch your, your, your trophy guns? Or you, no. <laughs> no. Phil Spangenberger is absolutely one of the smartest people. He oh, was, God, and, yeah. And, and, and what, I'll tell you something, how cowboy-mounted shooting got started. It won't tell me, but it's a couple of seconds. I was on the board of directors of Single Action Shooting Society, and Phil was doing these Wild West shows, kind of like Buffalo Bill. And I, when I was a kid, we did cowboy-mounted shooting with real live ammunition. We shot tin cans and different <laughs> things, and we have a contest. And but it was dangerous because you're <laughs> you shoot a forty-five Colt and yep. you miss, you do something, you kill yourself or a horse or somebody else. And that's what so, kids do. Anyway, <laughs> we were over there at, at the Single Action Shooting Society, and Phil and his wife Linda were there, and they were doing a a, a Wild West show, and Phil was. Uh, they took a balloon and put it in a steel ring and he rode fast running by and they'd throw this balloon up in the air and he'd shoot it. And I, uh, as soon as it got done, because I knew Phil, I said, Phil, uh, you're shooting blanks on your 45? Yeah. And it'll break a balloon? And yeah. And so I, that, that inspired me to go figure out how to make a sport. So... I got my dad and a friend, and we. when I got back home, I went and bought some engineering stakes and some thumbtacks and some balloons. I built a little, I took my dad and his friend out, and uh, we, uh, I set up course of fire and said, I'm going to start a sport. What do you think of this? <laughs> and I rode through there on my horse going fast and shooting these balloons on top of stakes. There were some tap on the thumb tack on the top of the stake with a little thumb tack, but they didn't break the balloon because they were on the tail of the balloon. And they both said, that is wonderful. Mm. And I got to give Phil Spangenberger credit for inspiring me because mm -hmm. he he showed me the balloons and the blanks, and they break them. And they, they, they'll only break a balloon consistently yeah. up to 15 feet, but beyond that... They won't break one at all at 20 feet. Mm -hmm. cool. Interesting. And so that's what we did. We could do it in rodeo arenas and so on. Yeah, you kind yeah. of take like pole bending and barrel racing. Well, and, yeah, they have and shooting and horsebacking yeah. all together. That's one of the yeah. the usual events at the Empire Ranch uh, Cowboy event. <laughs> they call it round. It used to be roundup. I don't know what they uh, call it now. Festival but, now. Festival. So, but that, yeah. Jim, Go ahead, Todd. Hey, Todd, have you got a question for, for Jim? Well, I sure do. My goodness. <laughs> 
you know, uh, you say, show me the open highway and I will digest the wonderful beauty of our great nation. And, you know, uh, I, I can't agree with you any more than that. Uh, one of my favorite things in the world is a road trip. So why don't you, if you have any great stories about road trips or funny stories, I'd love you to share them. Well, uh, road trips. One of the one of the things about road trips is I've spent my whole life in the association business. You take uh, the drag racing industry back. We talked about that earlier, and their drag trips all the way from New England to uh, San Diego, from from up there in Washington State down to Florida. And I traveled to those. I was national race director for the American Hot Rod Association as well as I had these two trips when we had major national championships to do that. And then the Single Action Shooting Society. Think how many people have shooting contests all around the United States and I went there. And then CMSA is the same way. Now, the Single Action Shooting Society Last I heard, they've had 145,000 members. Wow! And you look yes. at you know, when you look at when you look at cowboy-mounted shooting. There's not a lot of people that have horses and guns, and there's even less of those that have horses that they shoot off of the top of the horse with a gun. But guess what? Single action, not the single action shooting society had a lot of a lot of members, but SAS has uh, i think this is a lot of members we've had uh, we have almost 20 over 19,000 members now wow that have been and that's a lot of people yes it is and, it's all know, across the country yeah all of them so yeah are, same are thing is from from florida to washington from california to new england and <laughs> every place in between are you still active in uh, in the sport in both sports jim no, I'm not. I've been, unfortunately, I had a knee replaced, and I've had two uh, two uh, shoulder surgeries on my right shoulder and one on my left shoulder. And I could still be competitive, but I won like I think 14 between SAS mounted shooting and CMSA mounted shooting, and and I've won over I think 14 national titles. Yeah, give somebody and, else a uh, chance. Probably don't have any room for any more trophies or stuff. Well, there's people a lot more, probably more talented than I am. But yeah. the thing about it is, is uh, you don't, I, I don't, I don't want to go back and <laughs> be in the lower class. Sure. I want to be up the top. <laughs> there you go. So, what, so Jim, you they have a senior class, right? A what? A senior class. Sen- yeah, they have a senior class, but some of our best shooters are seniors. Oh, okay. In fact, I was. <laughs> well, you know, that's. I, 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 I was going to say yeah. that's what's so interesting is you know you've got late men's, ladies, senior wrangler, which is where you start the kids out, and I think yeah. that is. Tell us about the wrangler class, how that works. Well, you start well on the, I'll give you a quote for what's made cowboy mounted shooting so popular, and AQA, the American Quarter Horse Association. We go invited to their different events and special presentations and stuff. And they love cowboy-mounted shooting because it has made women real popular. In fact, 50% of our contestants now are women. And they're the winners. And then, yeah, they're winning. And we have the high overall woman, the high overall man. 
as well as the classes. I'll tell you a little bit about the classes if you want to hear mm-hmm. too. But uh, the thing about it is, where what sport and do you have that many women involved with guns? Yeah, really. And, and, one and of the competing nice with about, men. Yeah. 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 One of the nice well, things about cowboy-mounted shooting. One of the things, great things that made cowboy-mounted shooting so good as a timed event, most timed events you do the same thing all the time, like I roped, mm-hmm. and the, 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 the most critical part of winning, a, I mean, a lot of it's critical, I don't want to exaggerate, but they're very important where your horse is in the box waiting for the steer to be turned loose and not break out too yeah. early or be too late, and you ride out there. Oh, 20, 30 yards. If you're a healer, you're, you, you, you wait to turn the steer to the left right. and your rope is healed and you stop. It's pretty much the same thing every time. Barrel racing, you've got three barrels and you do the same thing almost the whole time. You've got a horse that you get to ride for 20 years. It's almost the thing. The thing about cowboy mounted shooting, we've got like 89 different courses of fire oh. and we chain and that changes every year some are released and that new ones are added wow. so those horses don't know where where they're going they've got all the distraction of a 45 colt going off from the guy riding in the saddle and so but they have to take the follow your commands and your signals while you're going these different courses yeah. you just can't look at that barrel we see a barrel and maybe we won't go around the barrel, or we'll have <laughs> barrels in all different different yeah. patterns. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Well, you know, that, 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 it's, it's, it's so neat because I was, I was just thinking, you know, it's like, oh, you know, it's like with, uh, you know, like team roping or, or steer roping, whatever, that, you know, it's the same every time, yet each, each steer or each cow, if it's calf roping, is different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that, uh, that's what's good about roping. There's a little bit different the horse has to do, but you're still, if you're doing team roping, you've got a, mm-hmm. or calf roping, it, that's pretty much a, a, a thing. You try to rope it as fast as you can and get right behind it on its tail and do it. And let's talk about the classification system. Well, let's you, do... You asked me let, about... Yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't mean to be talking too much. No, no, no. no, no we, just, we just hear he wants to do a break here when we I, get a but chance. But I don't want to interrupt your thought, your train of thought there, so go for it. Oh, oh, you asked me a minute. One of you asked me a minute ago to tell me about the, the junior class or yes. whatever. Yeah. We have two two classes for them, and it, it, so everything's based on winning, and that's up to 12 years old, and you... Uh, it, and you don't compete in the top of classes. And then when they turn 12, I think you can move into, and some of those little kids are fabulous. And, you know, one of the things that amazes me is how these kids can really excel once they get up there and they can move up. Our classification system is based on one to six. You start as a number one, and you earn your way up to top to class number six. And less than ten percent of our people ever make it up to class six. I, when I when I retired, only about three percent. So I retired in two thousand 
19 or 20, I can't remember. I sold out, I didn't retire. I just sold a Phil Spangenberger and I sold our interest in it because we're, we're closest friends. Yeah. And then the other thing that makes it so interesting, we've got the junior classes, then we're, we're gender split in every class. We've got the ladies number one and all the way to ladies number six and men. And then we have ladies senior ones through six, men senior ones through six. And they all compete in their class, and that makes it very important because each of those classes is very hard to beat. And then we have some mm. extra classes. We have AQHA class, which is involved with the American Quarter Horse Association. And then we have, uh, you know, other other separate things, but not the main match is all there. And then we have several other classifications, which are special side matches, which pay big money. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Everybody like has a chance to win something. All right. And speaking of winning something, we got to win something here. we got to take a break, Jim. We'll be right back. Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker DeFrance, and Todd Roberts. We'll be back with much more after this. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year, we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304 the Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 ski fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting place courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at Tucson Trap and You've got some cattle you want, Russell, but don't have enough henchmen of your own to do the job. Little lady up the road apiece won't strike a deal with you about water rights. You out there! Come one step near and old Bess here will spit right in your eye. So you need to strike your own deal, but you need the right henchmen to do the job. The stage is hauling a Wells Fargo box loaded with gold. You've got the perfect spot to liberate that gold, but like henchmen to pull off the job. What to do? You better start packing a handgun. Call Red a Hench. We're a bad guy rental agency. We provide you with enough scruffy henchmen to tackle any job with specific directions. Just listen to what Red a Hench users have to say. Well, you know, when I joined Red a Hench, I was trained by Bud Osborne, Charlie King, and some of the best head henches there ever was. And I'm going to guarantee you that you cannot hench without the proper henches around you. And that's just a gentle hench. When you need sheer numbers of henchmen, call us. We specialize in stage holdups, water right disputes, squatter troubles, cattle rustling, and much more. Our rented henchmen may not be able to think their way out of a paper bag, but they sure can follow directions, and they won't sing to the law about you if they get caught. See our ad in the Saturday Evening Post or Harper's Weekly. Hey, not only that, when you're in the Long Branch and you want to go next door to Doc's to get that bullet out of your shoulder, Get a Renahench to sit there on your place and keep your whiskey warm while you're gone. Renahench, when you need bad guys to do bad guy stuff so you can keep your hands clean. You let me do the work. My name is Neil Summers. I started my 53-year stunt profession on High Chaparral and Gunsmoke and a few other shows. 
and I'm still active, and uh, I want to thank Voices for the West for having me on. Francis, Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles, our guest Jim Rogers, co- uh, co-founder of Cowboy Action Shooting Society and the founder of the Cowboy Mounted Shooting Association, which uh, he is now also, uh, Jim and uh, his lovely wife Lily are both members of the Cowboy Mounted Shooting Association. Uh, CMSA, we'll just say that, <laughs> Cowboy Hall of Fame, and uh, Lily's a member of the CSMA Cowgirl Hall of Fame. That's pretty heady stuff there, Jim Rogers. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, one of the things I'm really proud of, I'm a member of the Cowboy Mounted Shooting Association Hall of Fame, so is my wife, and so is my, so is my daughter. Oh, that's cool. Unfortunately, unfortunately my daughter passed away last year. Oh, she was only 55, but she oh. caught cancer. But oh. you talk about a cowgirl and having a lot of fun yeah. with horses. And, I mean, she lives, her, her her life was based on horses. Wow. And, but, you know, one of the things I, I should give credit to some of the people that really helped, re, really was involved in the Cowboy Mounted Shooting Association, uh, well, half a dozen ahead. members. Yeah, I want to thank Phil Spangenberger. He was he was the inspiration. They showed balloons and blanks work together. It was it was Frank Turbin. He was president for several years. I I made him president, and I became chairman of the board of the association. And he was absolutely a, a, a fine horseman. He always still has a lot of horses. He retired too. Or you don't retire, you sell your stock out. Yeah. Most people. <laughs> and then. We had Phil Spangenberger and, and uh, Frank Turbin, and we talk about Dan Plaster and Mark Marley and Brady Carr, and and there's a bunch of other really capable people, but those were some of the members. And, you know, like take Mark Marley, for example. He's one of the largest ranch owners in the state of New Mexico. There you go. Speaking and, and of New I, Mexico, uh, you still have yeah. your ranch over there? Yeah, we have an interest in one, a small interest. What what happened when I sold it? Sold out. I I kept 140 acres of my own land in case I want to move over there, and we still run cattle on it. Whereabouts? And, and it's over between Santa Rosa and Tucumcari. You know, oh. along I-40 runs directly between the two. We're just about dead center, and then we're six miles south of. Uh, of uh, I forty. Yeah, that's some of the best cattle country in New Mexico. Yeah, well, it's it's wonderful, but we'd it's like to move over there and build a house. But that all of our family lives here in Arizona, and then we have a daughter that lives in San Diego. Well, talk and them into you, moving over there with you. There you go. Yeah, I would. I'd like to. <laughs> I've often <laughs> big about, build, I, big I, house. So yeah, yeah. Well, so I Joe, I got a question for you. Yeah. Uh, you, you, among shooters, you know, there's an old saying uh, amongst male shooters that you, you never teach your, 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 the woman in your life how to shoot. Uh, 
just in case you make her angry. But you broke yeah. that law, broke that rule, and then you taught your daughter how to shoot too, and both of them went in the Hall of Fame. You yeah. might be a, a truly uh, cosmic phenomenon, Jim. Yeah, well, well, I'd like to brag about my daughter a little bit. Back in, I think it was 1998, 90, yeah, 98, Fox uh, News wanted to do a half-hour special on cowboy-mounted shooting, and Annie Bianco, which, is our, which became our, one of our marketing people, and we, in Las Vegas, we formed a, a major event, and they filmed it on national TV on Fox News. Mm. I won the overall, and Lily, or not Lily, but uh, Tamara, not Tamara, that's another daughter. I'm a, I'm a geezer, remember? But my daughter, Teal, now she was named after Teal Duck. And my daughter, Teal, uh she won high overall cowgirl, and she also won the the date of the um, a little jackpot we had. Kind of the way we start all of our events is with jackpot. Oh, cool. So she was the high fan, and guess what? She's in the Hall of Fame. My wife's in the Hall of Fame, and I'm in the Hall of Fame. That's all a, right, that's a, tri a trio here. Well, tell us yeah. tell us about the weapons that you use in mounted shooting. Well, basically, it's the Colt single action forty five. So there's there's uh, has to be a single action, and there's, uh, there's there's companies that make replicas of them, and you know, and they're really good and they're fine. And then for the rifle class, it has to be a lever action rifle, or maybe a pump. But there's not many pumps. Uh, the old Model 92 and the Model 73 were very popular weapons, and the probably the 73 is the most popular. And then we have a shotgun class, which is dominated by double-barrel shotguns, not little old-time pumps, but the double barrels, and it's, well, it's just wonderful. Yeah, I know. Didn't it? It. it, one, it, it, it uh, pardon? I said, didn't at one time on the on the mounted rifle, you also had the the cylinder, the cattleman rifle. Yeah. 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 You have to hold it up like a rifle and use both hands. Yeah. And you just can't take your rifle and try to shoot it like a pistol. No. And it's you know it's 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 got its own little things that get you and then stuff. So it <laughs> it's a really a special deal. I got a question for you here because I was I was looking some of this stuff up and I saw uh, cart shooting and my first thought was well they go out there and shoot the little carts and shoot them apart. No 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 <laughs> it's probably somebody in a cart running the course. Is that the case? Doing what now? I didn't quite. What kind of shooting? Cart. Cart. Yeah. C a r t. Yeah, you know, like you know, kind of like you know, yeah. the little pony carts. Yeah, uh, I've you know, I've I've not heard of that myself. <laughs> then we're going to start a new one then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, because look, that's one of the problems with men. In the horse industry, yeah, and the company, and the, you know, they like those carts, the four wheel drive, and you know, a lot of my ranch owner friends have big cattle ranches, especially here in Arizona, where they do it, and they're they're locking their gates and putting signs up and saying no motorized vehicles. Yeah, yep. they're they're driving all over the ranches, you know. And that's the nice thing about horses. They, they don't mind horses out there because the cattle are used to them. And, yeah. 
and, and whatever else. So, but it's a our world is changing thing all the way around. Big time. Hey, Jim, uh, we're going to take our final commercial break so we can come back and have a little bit more time to speak with you. Here on Emil Francie's Voices of the West, Jim Rogers, our guest. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts with you. We'll be back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West, where a large number of Westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I, Miss Wilkinson, is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tank of Verde in Tucson. 520-777-1911. Read classic Western comics anytime at Voices of the West.net. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats, but did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. As we recognize the service of America's men and women in uniform, let's also honor the families who sacrifice so much every day. Military families endure frequent deployments and separations. They carry on while their loved ones are sent into harm's way and wait patiently for their safe return. If you really want to honor a veteran, look for ways to support their families and thank them for their sacrifices. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. All right, listeners, you like Westerns, right? You're darn I mean, you do listen to this program. So you want a chance to tell the rest of the world which Westerns you think are the best? I'm always ready to back up whatever I say. Here's how. Email us your picks for your top five Westerns. 
Tell us why you think those five are the best cowboy movies. You got any more you want to say on the subject? Each month, we'll pick one entry and offer you the chance to talk about your choices as a guest on our live stream and resulting podcast of the Voices of the West program. Pretty simple, right? We want to hear from you. We have our men scouring the valley. Email your list to bestwesterns, voicesofthewest at gmail.com. I guess that's all we need to hear. Oh, wait a minute. Wait just one doggone minute here. Just give me 24 hours to come up with a brilliant idea to save our town. Just 24 hours. That's all I ask. No! You do it for Randolph Scott. Randolph Scott. All right, Sheriff. 24 hours. This is the Voices of the West. Now take your partner, Randolph Scott. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Welcome back to our edition of Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts with you. And uh, yes, we're going to take a little turn here. Do Jim, it for Randolph Scott. We, yeah, we want to have you tell us a little Jim, bit about Jim Rogers is our guest. Yeah, uh, tell us a little bit about Wallmaker Clothes and your. Your good amigo, Alan Waugh, and how that all got started. And also there was an interview you guys did where you explained what Western wear was, and it was it was yeah. really good. Yeah. yeah. Are you talking to me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hard to keep track of you guys. You're I know. A lot, you, you, you're a lot smarter than yeah. we, we go all over. Yeah. yeah, you're a lot smarter than me. Oh, you know, no. one of the things that I wanted to emphasize, we've had one cowgirl. It's the only cowgirl ever to win the high overall at the world championship, and that was Kenda Longstein. Mm-hmm. And she lives here in Arizona. She originally from the West Coast, but she moved over here and and she's doing now. We've had cowgirls win nationals and that sort of thing. She's done that a couple of times, but it uh, it's just wonderful to have our sports. So each each thing has an advantage, and yeah. you know the, the cowgirls finish in the top ten all the time. Yeah. There's usually three or a couple, three of them in there, and and so it's just wonderful to have them out there. And it's wonderful to have your or your whole family out there in a very, very competitive sport yeah. in that horses where everybody's on their own horse doing their own thing and enjoying the Western lifestyle. And that's what it's all about. Now back to Wamaker Clothing. You tell us about okay. it, you and Alan. Yeah, Alan Waugh, what happened, I had a, a company in Scottsdale called Old West Outfitters, and I wanted it. I was manufacturing I sold a lot of stuff to the movie people, like the movie Tombstone. I had a lot of our clothes in it, but and I named lots of other ones. But uh, I was I found out Alan Waugh had a shirt factory here in Phoenix, as well as one in California. So I started using him to manufacture some shirts and stuff. And then my partner, uh, Bruce Weber and Sandy Weber, they moved out here from Arizona and they were selling their business there, and they lived right on the border of, of uh, New York and uh, New Jersey, I guess it was the name of it. And so they wanted to move to Arizona, and I told them I was going to want to start this Old West Outfitters, and 
be interested and I need a financial partner and they went and we did it and so after a few years there I that they wanted to do some things that I didn't particularly think would work they wanted to compete with Shepherds and mm. place like that and I said no Old West Clothing won't do that and we're not in that other business so I sold out to them and Alan Waugh offered me a job as national national sales director and and working and still getting to live in Arizona I had to travel a lot and that's how Old West Outfitters was and it got basically started uh, and that started Wallmaker because Wallmaker was making a lot of shirts and pants for us yeah. Hmm. Wow. Great clothes. Great clothes. And, and Alan Wall was a Alan Wall's still alive, and he's a great friend of mine. I'm still alive. <laughs> At least Can you I, prove I, it? I, yeah. Well, I go look. At, I, I need to walk in the mirror and make sure that I still pinch, am. <laughs> pinch yourself, <laughs> Jim. You're uh, you're pretty much retired, I guess, from just about yeah. everything these days. But yeah, well, I'm retired, but but yeah. But what I'm else? Sorry. What else is? What's in the future for what, you? What do you got cooking in yeah, the fire? What are, what are you doing? <laughs> well, I'm building a new house right now. There you go. And then Lily and I are looking forward to that. And one of the things that we enjoy a lot is bird hunting. We hunt ducks, quail, and doves, and Ooh. once in a while we'll go up to up in the northern part of the country and hunt pheasants, but basically ducks, quail, and doves, we can have a fabulous shoot. And right here in Arizona, although we're getting a lot of people moving here from other parts of the country, I, I, I we don't hear want something. Them. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of sad because it brings more hunters and more competition. Man, One I'd... nice thing about Arizona, like compared to Texas, you know, to hunt in Texas, you need to know somebody that owns a ranch or a yeah, farm because yeah. there's not in, in very much public land. There's no Indian reservations and yeah, no right, national right. forest. New but Mexico's here, we got, got the a, best hunting. Yeah, we got a lot of places here to hunt. If you like guns and you like to shoot, I love shotgun shooting. I, I tell you what, I don't think I'd want to hunt with you or Lily because you're just too doggone good. I don't think I'd get yeah. any any bird. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you I, the you know, I get the cripples. <laughs> yeah, you know, my wife Lily is just an incredible shot, and she's got an incredible amount of energy. Yeah. In fact, she's got a nickname of Roadrunner. <laughs> <laughs> and if you've ever hunted, if you ever hunted quail or doves or ducks out yep. in the desert driving on a dirt road, yep. you see the roadrunners are running across the road. They got a lot of energy, yep. and that's what they call Lily. There's Lily, and I'll tell you what, <laughs> it makes some of these guys kind of shy because here I bring my wife, and she can <laughs> outshoot just about anybody. Yeah, that's cool. And I walk. I mean, I mean, a lot of women don't want to walk up far to shoot some poor quail or doves or something like that or duck. Lily sit there hunting ducks at hour before daylight to get the decoys out and stuff. There you go. I bet wow. you're proud of her. I yeah, know you're proud of your yeah. whole family. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, even my ex-wife, Mindy, I've been married twice, and Lily and I have been married 37 years, and we had breakfast with my ex-wife, Mindy. Do you have time <laughs> to tell this little story or not? Uh, yeah, go for it. Well, Mindy and, and you know, I'm the only person I know that took uh, their wife and ex-wife on the honeymoon. (laughs) (laughs) Who carried who over the threshold? Right. (laughs) Well, well, 
that, that that's kind of funny. It's not not as good as it sounds, but you know, I wanted to introduce her to my friend Kirby Korth. And she, well, I don't want to make one of your friends. And then Kirby, I don't want to go out to your wife. I finally got them to go have a have a drink, and so they liked it. So we got married the day before Thanksgiving, in nineteen thirty-seven years. Yeah, thirty-seven years and, ago. <laughs> yeah, and thirty-seven years ago, and so they liked it, and so they told them we're. We're going. We got married, and we spent Thanksgiving with our family, and then Saturday and Sunday we're going duck hunting, and <laughs> want to go with us. And Honey guess moon. what? They decided to go with us. Oh, cool! And and then so anyway, we're we go down to the Gila Bend area, and there's little mountains we camp beside, and so we get down there. We go down on Friday, and we're going to hunt Saturday morning and Sunday. And we get don't get down there practically midnight on Friday, so we did, couldn't get the decoys out and put set of things. So we just get up early in the morning. But Kirby brought a, a card table, and a, Lily brought a little wedding cake for us. It was a little free statue, little round thing, yeah. one little smaller, and then up on top the little arch with the bride and groom under it. Uh-huh. So we thought, okay, we'll put that out, and we'll when we come back from shooting our ducks, we'll come back. So we're walking down with the decoys and putting the decoys out, and Lily's carrying a bag. And we get about halfway down to walk a little over a quarter mile from where we camped to where we're putting the decoys out on the Gila River. And so uh, we get down halfway down there, and Lily's walking with me, and Kirby and Mindy are walking behind us. And pretty soon, my ex-wife Mindy says, "Lily, I hate you." <laughs> and, Lily, and, and Lily turns around and says, "Why?" And so she says, "Well, look at you. I gave you my hip waders, and your little rear end is so cute. You look like a movie star. And I'm wearing these. <laughs> and I'm wearing. And I'm wearing these." I'm wearing these uh, chest waders, and I look like a hippopotamus. <laughs> so we, so we all started laughing, and that's it. The story's not quite over. I hope I'm not taking too much time. So Continue. after we get our limited ducks, we walk back up there to the camp to have the wedding cake, and we get up there about 30 yards from camp, and the, and the wedding cake looks like the leaning tower of pizza. <laughs> And we get up there close to it, and guess what? It looks like a coyote's been walking around. We can see something was biting our bottom layer of the wedding cake, and we we run it off. Oh, <laughs> and so that's kind of that's the end of the great. story. You know, the the the, oh. the end of the story is that's not, not quite the end. We had the wedding cake. We had the top layer of the wedding cake, still had there. But guess what? Mindy and Kirby got a year got married uh-huh. almost a year later. Uh, there you almost go. The, go. Almost the same date. <laughs> Doggone. Jim That's Rogers, good. thank you so much for spending an hour with us. It's was been really great. It's been wonderful. Really, really appreciate it. You you sir are incredible, man. Thank you. Thank you so well, much. Well, thank you. I just hope I didn't talk too much. No, sir. No, you were <laughs> you were a blessing, Jim. No, I, sir. I, 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 this is yeah. this is the well, kind thank of stuff. Thank you, I'm and I, I appreciate your show. I wish we had this show 
more often. Well, you know, we do, we kind of do too, but you know, there's only three of us, and we can only do so much. And but you know, you can always go back and listen to the old. Shows. That's it. And the the point is, we the, we are preserving the culture of the West. Jim Rogers, thank you much for joining us. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts. Next time, Bill Markley joins us here on Emil Francie's Voice of the West. 78, 79, 80 O's Mountain Shooters. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Emil Francie's Voices of the West.